Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of the Composable Commerce podcast. Today it's going to be a very special one as we have, I think, a legend in the world of e-commerce here and his name is Hein Holt. Hein has been a functional architect uh, with Deity for, uh, since the beginning but he has a very big history in working for the biggest brands. Hein, can you say a bit about yourself please and welcome of course to Thank you, Jamie. Thank you for having me. I'm functional architect at Deity, so responsible for functional design, UI, UX design. That's mainly my focus. And in the past, before Deity, I've been working at Doc Data, a large Dutch e-commerce company responsible for a ball, for instance. I worked also on projects like Ferrari Store, the Bicorp, HP, different big projects, but also smaller projects. Okay, and what was your role in, for example, the Ferrari company? What did you do there? For Ferrari, it was mainly doing the design. So they've invited me over to create a design based on their design system, the design guide. So they created a big Ferrari world. And additionally, we implemented the Ferrari store, which was tightly linked to the Ferrari world. So all the merchandising from Ferrari was sold in the Ferrari store. But of course, all the campaigns based on Formula One races, but also on maybe new cars that they released. Everything was tightly linked together as a big community with e-commerce included in there. Well, that sounds like a boy's dream. Of course, not only a boy's dream, (laughs) also a girl's dream working uh, for Ferrari. And I think we can record a whole podcast (laughs) about the Ferrari Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's uh, a lot of stories (laughs) about that. Uh, But also the other projects were really good and I learned a lot from that. Yeah, I can imagine. I think that, um, you know, the e-commerce, and and we're talking here uh, for the ones who are listening, we're talking about 15 years ago. Almost, yeah. Yeah, yeah almost. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of the beginning so I'm, of e-commerce. I'm a bit uh, of an old fart here in this <laughs> company. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's the beginning of e-commerce uh, where there was, you know, so much to explore. Uh, but I think the basic principles are the same. And we see that recently Salesforce, you know, they did uh, some investigations, some research within their user base. And they invited 4,000 merchants to talk about what is that they see in the future for tech and how they want to spend their investment and what are they looking at. And part of that was that in the next two years, about 63% of people are looking to implement headless or composable commerce architectures, uh, invest in this kind of technology. And they mentioned a few things which they see as the main purpose for doing so. And I think, you know, relating back to the past, I think there's a lot of overlap there, uh, which is the fundamental of e-commerce. And I would like to talk today with Hein about this fundamental of e-commerce and why composable commerce or how composable commerce can help with this and I think the number one that everyone mentioned is that they want to have why they want to implement this or why they're looking into invest in this kind of technology is to have more flexibility Hein can you say a bit about you know what does that mean more flexibility on a platform so more flexibility is more diverse possibilities also for implementing uh, your storefront so if you have backend services that provide the best uh, solutions for your specific uh, domain, for instance, promotions or maybe a PIM or a checkout, then yeah, if you have a separate storefront, a headless storefront, then it's a lot easier and you're a lot more flexible to add more storefronts to change your storefront. For instance, you can create a custom one-page checkout with uh, different services behind it, That's something we did for, for Jimmy Brinks, for instance. The checkout was just one page with, uh, I think, five or six services integrated with that. Normally, in a more like monolithic setup, that would not be possible. Yes. Yeah, so, so can you explain a bit what kind of services you know can I expect on a, on a checkout? What do I want there? What, why do I want it? 
Of course, very important are the stock. So you can actually deliver what you promise to deliver. So in the checkout, you do an extra stock check, preferably real-time and not stock that's from last night, but directly maybe from the ERP system or a separate stock service. Maybe even uh, also different kind of stock, a stock from a store or maybe stock from a warehouse or maybe even from a supplier. But suppliers are still a little bit behind on that. They do not offer APIs very often. But yeah, you can add a a separate stock service to get also the suppliers stock in there. Well, that sounds very logical, obviously. You know, when I have a big sale, I don't want to have only my online stock, but I want to see what's in stores as well. Yeah, exactly. And literally, what we also did for Jimmy Brinks, implemented TaylorOne, that offered the promotions and and loyalty programs for Jimmy Brinks that, for instance, big commerce was lacking or uh, they did not uh, offer that. To combine a big commerce with a promotion engine and some availability services from uh, Jimmy Brinks, yeah, you get a really tight checkout and you can offer the best experience for the customer. Mm-hmm. That sounds like real flexibility. I mean, you know, you want to use the best tools, obviously, to give that experience. And I can imagine when you're on a monolithic service, you know, you stick to what, for example, BigCommerce offers you, which is not, in case of promotions, not that deep level of promotions. I can imagine, you know, a flexibility doesn't only happen on the checkout, right? There is like a broader uh, perspective of that. For example, you know, the channels that you want to sell on, uh, let's say websites and mobile apps. What can you say about that? Like the flexibility between further from just checkout? Yeah, so if you have maybe a central PIM system uh, and you want to publish to sales channels, that's also a bit of composable commerce setup, which is already around for a while. But yeah, if you can publish your assortment to a marketplace or maybe social media and then get the orders in or maybe the leads from social media, it would be better to get directly the orders from social media. That provides also the additional options for you to sell your products online. Yeah, but some people, you know, when I talk about this with people, they say, yeah, but I, I can have my monolith. So they never call it like that. that. So they say, I have my current e-commerce system and I connect it with a tool like Channel Engine, for example. That gives obviously flexibility, but on a different level. I think, you know, the composable commerce slash headless is more like the flexibility by design. Well, the other one is making it by adding certain modules. So what is the difference between the two? Like, what is the advantages of doing one over the other? Well, the composable commerce that we offer with our commerce composer is more like real-time headless storefront solution. So you have uh, additional storefronts, PWA storefronts uh, or apps that are directly connected through our commerce composer, maybe with an ERP system or with an e-commerce system or with a search engine, compared to, like you mentioned, with channel engine or another solution like that. It's more like a, a daily product feed goes to that solution and you get orders in or maybe just leads. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I understand. One is real-time right now, getting it from the source. Yep. While the other one is like, okay, we create something for you. You can trade to that today. And then we see tomorrow what happens again. Okay, I think that does make a lot of sense. You know, obviously, there is some ups and downs to both sides, to both approaches. But if you want to trade big, if you want, you know, have ambitions, you want to grow, I think the one having flexibility by design, that is what you're looking for. And if I go back to the Salesforce research that they did one of the other things that the merchant mentioned was like i want to have increased agility and that sounds really like a fancy term but can you explain me uh, what that what that means and not just me you know everyone who's listening what does increased agility mean well before uh, you made a huge plan a big functional design technical design and now with the more composable commerce setup you can easily adapt your setup in short cycles short sprints 
So that's agility. Uh, other than that, if you have a separate storefront and you have backend services, you can maybe swap out backend services without changing much on the front end. So they are not tightly coupled, but they are loosely coupled. Yeah, which makes it also possible to easily add features to your storefront, either by adding additional backend service or by upgrading your backend service. And it does not impact the storefront experience. So that means that I can have a, a new decision today, tomorrow, or I see a new tool somewhere and I think, oh, that's cool, I want to try that. I'm able to do that without having to you know, change a lot to my basic system. I can actually exactly. just swap things out and, and add things. Well, so, so, so if you, yeah, also another example is e-commerce system, maybe like Magento, and you want to add a PIM solution because Magento is not really a PIM solution. It's for sales, but it's less for uh, product management. In a composable commerce setup, you can add a PIM and then either directly connect it to the composer and expose your product information to the storefront. Before, it was more like you get a product feed from your PIM, but now you can actually directly tap into the PIM and get product information directly. I think that uh, also brings me to the next question. Obviously, the one I get often, they say, okay, that, that's cool, but you know, I can attach a PIM to my Magento rather than running through a commerce composer. And I think running it through a composing layer or, you know, in a composable setup, um, there's another thing that you have, some terms that I often hear there, is standardization. And can you explain a bit about that? So the versus one directly to Magento versus the other one doing it through a middleware platform like the one Dati offers. What does that mean in terms of standardization? Yeah, so you can base your product data on your own business. Instead of being dependent on what Magento has to offer in product models, you can create your own product model, your own definition of your products, or your categories, but also other domains like orders or something like that. And then our composer uses that basis that you set up for uh, both the storefront, but also for publishing it to other systems or to integrating it to other systems. Okay, yeah. So, so it's more like based on your own business compared to what the solution has to offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if the solution does not offer much, then you're stuck with that. So it, yeah, it's better to have something added to that, like middleware that we offer. You can create your own product models. You know, if I get back, so we just talked about flexibility and agility, and I think that you know has some overlap there. Hey, I want to have, you know, being flexible so I can build the business that I want and. But on the other hand, I also want the ability not just to build it the first time, but also be able to always change it and improve it and make new things without having to have a long lead times or you know having to break down my whole system. So that is that flexibility versus agility. One is being able to create it, and the other one is being able also to change it and to move uh, fast. And at one point uh, we already mentioned before, but what was mentioned also in the report is that they said we want to have you know merchants are choosing in the next two years are investing in composable or headless. Uh, technology because they want to have the ability to add new sales channels and we already mentioned it before when we talked about the flexibility but you know can we dive a little bit deeper into that what do you think mean with that what do they want to do with new sales channels um, like you said well, we already mentioned it before with the channel engine mm-hmm. but that's more like the already existing marketplaces publishing uh, it to marketplaces or maybe to social media But I think it also means, at least for us, you can maybe easily add a B2B or a branded store or maybe a contact center application, changing uh, your service channel to a sales channel, for instance. Mm -hmm. Uh, Once you have the commerce composer set up and your PWA storefront components built up, then it's 
quite easy to add an additional storefront that is tailored for contact center employees or tailored for maybe your retailers that want to order your products. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, uh, last week we had a really cool talk with a merchant who's looking to dive into this uh, kind of technology. And this merchant, uh, I kind of mentioned it, I hope they will be a guest in the podcast very soon. But they sell a lot of outdoor uh, camping, fun, vacation kind of products. So think about swimming pools, trampolines, but also how the inflatable uh, stuff, chairs for your camping site and that kind of stuff. And they have a very interesting view on uh, sales channels. So one is obviously, you know, direct sales channels, B2C, uh, you know, upsells, because, you know, people who buy a pool also have a garden, so they also buy other stuff for the garden. But they were also, we were a bit brainstorming about like, hey, you know, what is more sales channels for them? And I, they mentioned one really cool one where they said, there's a lot of campsites and there's always things, you know, when you arrive at the campsite and for those who are camping uh, do know this, then you have your kids very happy coming with their inflatable crocodile and it's going to be inflated and then it breaks or it's broken. Or they unfold the chair that has been there for a year in the camper uh, stored and then there is a hole in it, you know. And they were thinking, it, hey, can we have this service there that we can have direct delivery uh, to your campsite? And I think that is a really cool way of you know thinking about rather than just your website your store uh, you know I think that's really cool to explore this kind of new sales channels and I know that in the past you did this as well with HP one of the sales channels and some of you might know it is the direct ink to printer service can you explain a bit about that yeah, so there was uh, in the printer, there's a, a signal when the ink is low, and then you can tap on one of the display buttons and you'll be redirected to uh, one of the stores that we managed for HP. So you can order uh, ink directly. But yeah, we also extended that concept to the computer division of HP with the warranty extension. So if the warranty is running out, then it will give a signal and then you can also get a link to the platform that we built for HP to order a warranty extension. So uh, you, you can keep using your laptop worry-free, so to say. Oh, well, I, I think that's really cool. I mean, the, it's already been done like 15 years ago and, and so most of you know this kind of functionalities, but I think it's really cool that this composable commerce and, you know, Headless really does open, you know, gives room for creativity about what kind of sales channels can I explore for my business specifically. And I think that is... That's really cool. Uh, I love creativity and I love to explore what can we do and what is next and what fits my business. So the one, you know, selling camping and garden stuff has a very specific case. Printers have a specific case, but I think we can apply this to many businesses. And if you're listening and you're like, hey, this is cool. I want to brainstorm about that. We have Hein available for you. Uh, I have a sales channel. No, joking. Uh, we have a... <laughs> we can, this uh, is the sales channel. <laughs> this is the sales channel. No, we can... We can hook you up with Hein and uh, we love to brainstorm about this. And I think that's uh, that's fun. And I think last but not least, one of the things that they mentioned, the last thing, is that they want to have improved integrations between uh, systems. Uh, so that was mentioned in the report of Salesforce uh, regarding the uh, state of e-commerce and what people are looking to do in the next two years. And if they're choosing for composable commerce, they mentioned we want to have more flexibility, more agility. We want to be able to connect new systems sales channels and last they said we want to have improved integrations between systems and Hein, please explain us what that means and give us an example because this is um, of course everybody wants to have better integrations between systems but how can composable commerce help with that 
I can note that Jimmy brings example again in the checkout where BigCommerce as an e-commerce platform does its thing, a card uh, providing product information also a little bit of there. But the combination with Taylor One uh, promotions made the setup for Jimmy Brinks unique. And before the integration between Taylor One and BigCommerce did not exist. Same goes for Algolia and BigCommerce. So that's a good example of enhanced integration between two systems would normally not communicate with each other. And Taylor One Promotions is a really good uh, promotion engine. And we implemented not only the promotion calculation, but also the refunds that need to be calculated whenever someone returns a product or maybe when a product cannot be delivered. So that you always have the right refund amount. Normally, if you have a a 342 promotion and you send one back, then that promotion doesn't apply anymore. So you get a different refund uh, amount. Mm -hmm. If the systems are not integrated well, then you cannot do that. So it's a good example of a good system integration uh, works well. I think that improving integrations between systems and having that all done correctly, and the example that you mentioned, like, for example, in refunds and everything, if you do this right, the whole cycle goes through everything, right? The whole transaction, not just what's happening on the front end, but also the rest. And I think that, you know, we like to call that operational excellence. This is where your business operation uh, performs at its best. You know, when you have all the systems working correctly with each other. And I think one of the important things is to do that, uh, you need obviously have a good engineer to be able to do it. But on the other hand, you need to have a good architect who tries to figure out how these systems should work together. So, you know, as always, a good beginning is have the work, right? Write it down, try to figure out what you need and how it should work. And then once you do... And once all these systems are in place, you also need to make sure that you get a clarity. So you do understand always how these things work. So if you want to replace one, you need to understand how it works. And it shouldn't be, you know, built into a monolith and very complex code. It should be clear and uh, with preferably with a middleware layer that makes sure that these data goes right. So you can more easily replace that. So if I recap we see, okay, composable commerce uh, merchants are looking to go to composable commerce in the next two years for more flexibility, for more agility, to be able to add new sales channels and also make sure that the whole integration works well and we have this improved integration between systems. So less frustration, less customer service calls and less annoying things there. So Hein, I would really like to thank you for being a guest on this podcast today and explaining a bit more about this. And I'm sure... I would love to hear you more and dive into the stories of, of Ferrari at HP. I mean, who doesn't want to hear a good juicy story about some Italians <laughs> doing business? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what happens in Italy stays in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine that. Uh, but yeah, your experience is priceless. And uh, I think we can learn a lot from what happened in the past. And as we started this podcast with, you know, these things that we've been developing 15 years ago are not so much different as what is happening today. But today we have these systems that make it easy and fast for us to do so. So we have a better time to value. It's approachable if you're not a brand like Ferrari, you know, but you are have ambitions to grow. And I, I think that's a really good one. Okay. Everyone listening, thank you very much for tuning in again. Uh, We will have new podcasts soon and I'm sure you will hear Hein back again in one of the next episodes. Hein, thank you. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Goodbye, everyone. (laughs) Bye-bye.